it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the TC Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. TC Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Bartram. Right up front. Younger fan inside of the net. Is now in. Glad to have you with us. Hour number two, live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, the place to be. It is Sweet 16 weekend. Oh, yeah. The March Madness recommences. And don't forget, uh, we are here today, our Friday home. And uh, we'll be back here on Monday and Tuesday as well because we've got hoops galore, Double B. You yeah. gotta love it. Yeah, you gotta love it. I, I, I was a little shocked by the second round being Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, but I kind of like it. Mm-hmm. Get us to Saturday and, and, and have the four games, Sunday four games, and you know, wrap this sucker up by I, Tuesday. I was, I was telling Frank uh, the last couple days, I said my biological clock is all off because I really wanted those games on Thursday and Friday because that's... That's all we've known for our entire life, pretty yeah. much, you know? So, yeah, Thursday, Friday, and then we get to the Elite Eight on Saturday, Sunday. So I had to wait a couple extra days, but, you know, you know, waiting, waiting uh, you know. After makes... Tuesday, you don't have to wait. Like last time, you'd have to wait on from Sunday all the way to Saturday, right? right. Now it's just Tuesday to Saturday, so it'll catch up for you. It will. Okay, good deal. All right, uh, let's talk a little Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, unfortunately, they are on the, the short end last night, losing 5-1 to one to the Avalanche. And uh, here come the Avalanche. And we said all season long, these two teams are probably going to be battling. Uh, did not go the Knights' way last night, but... Uh, you know, don't despair. They'll be back. But uh, watch out for the Avs. Yeah, it happens. The Avalanche are on a roll. I think that's uh, eight points in maybe 11 out of 12 games or something like that. Uh, I want to say eight in a row getting points. I think they only lost the one shootout loss to, to Arizona. Uh, they've been playing very well. They were relentless on the puck last night. Uh, caused the Vegas Golden Knights to take a bunch of really poor penalties, uh, including one that was, uh, you know, too many men on the ice, which was an obvious call. And they seized momentum in the second period and, and really never looked back. Uh, a couple of soft goals, un, 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 unlike uh, uncharacteristic for, for Marc-Andre Fleury. But I think the team will bounce back. I look for a real nice effort Saturday afternoon. Yeah, and I mean, that's the way it is, too. I mean, you're going to have games like that every now and then. Uh, Fleury didn't play his best game. It was a good, even, hard-fought first period. Vegas got the early lead with Pacioretty back in the lineup. There was questions whether or not he'd even be back in there, but he scored, I believe it was like 40 seconds into the game. Then it was some back and forth action. But yeah, Colorado came out in the second period, and like you mentioned, Brian, um, Vegas got some penalties. They could never get in any kind of a rhythm. Colorado started attacking a little bit. They got the goal to equalize it. Then they got a few more. It was one of the worst periods that we've seen the Vegas Golden Knights have, quite honestly, all season long. I think it's only the second time they've given up five goals this whole year they lost the game earlier five to two uh so this is the worst loss they've had all year and five to one is the worst loss you've had in your over halfway through the season it's not really that bad of a thing it's an anomaly it won't happen but now we see how they bounce back and you heard stone and you heard patch and the guys talking about that too last night after the game they said you know what 
as bad as as mad as they were about the performance, they said the good thing is on Saturday we get to turn around and just try to even it up again. Remember, Colorado's won three of the four games, but one of them also went to overtime. So Vegas is right there with them. These are the two best teams in the division. We said it at the start of the season. I've seen nothing to change my mind about that. Well, I would agree with that. Uh, Colorado's an exceptional team. Uh, they were uh, rattled with injuries early on in the year, and now they're getting healthy. Uh, that kid, McCarr, uh, he's like uh, the Vegas Golden Knights version of uh, Shea Theodore, the way he can move he's incredible. Uh, with the puck, and uh, he's a really exceptional player. And, of course, uh, just watching Nathan McKinnon skate, his power and, and his ability to see the ice is, is fantastic. So uh, they're going to pose a good challenge, but the Vegas Golden Knights have some great hockey players out there as well. You mentioned Mark Stone. Uh, I thought that um, uh, Carlson's been on fire playing fantastic 200-foot uh, hockey. And, uh, you know, Riley Smith, he, he had a couple of great opportunities. He's a little snake-bitten right now. So I think that that line, the Marcia So smith uh, Carlson line, uh, I look for them to have some big, big numbers come Saturday. All right, tomorrow, 12 noon, Gold Knights will get after it again against the Colorado Avalanche. All right, join us now is our good friend from U.S. Integrity, Matthew Holt, as we start talking a little March Madness Sweet 16 action. What is going on, Matt? TC, how we doing, my man? We're doing great here. You know where we're at, man. We're at the Cosmopolitan. We're having a great time, as usual. Uh, missing you, but I know that you are a, a busy, busy guy. We appreciate you taking the time and joining us to talk a little hoops. Yeah, happy to be on, man. I could use a break. It's certainly busy days this week, and, uh, you know, on top of March Madness, we had a rare incident in the NHL, as we all remember, with an official sort of unprecedented yeah. times, and... Uh, that meant a lot more work on my desk. So we're we're pretty busy this week, but we're really excited for this weekend. All right, brother. All right, let's uh, go right down the list. Tomorrow morning, 11:40, we started off with a Sweet 16 matchup. It's Oregon State against Loyola. Believe it or not, we have an eight versus 12 here, as Loyola knocks off the Illini, and uh, and, and uh, they'll be wearing the white uniforms. They'll be wearing the home uniforms. It's crazy as they're facing facing a, a much lower seed here in Oregon State. Matt, you've talked about this Oregon State team before. They surprised a lot of people at the Pac-12 tournament, T-Mobile. You know, uh, nearly two weeks ago, but uh, now they're going to face this loyal Chicago team who has been here before. Yeah, I like Oregon State a lot in this spot, and just from a pure mathematics standpoint, you have to understand every time you have a total of 125 points or less in a college basketball game, that every get every point you get with the underdog becomes that much more valuable. And the fact that you can get seven points with Oregon State in a game that has a total of only 125, I think is, you know, a real value here in what figures to be a rock fight. This Oregon State team has won eight of their last nine games. I think they're being discounted a little bit with the only loss coming to Oregon, a loss they avenged by 11 in the Pac-12 tournament. Look, I like the way the Beavers are playing. I expect that both teams are going to be at their best defensively. This thing's going to be a rock fight, and I'm taking the seven points. Isn't it kind of strange that you're getting Loyola as a seven-point favorite here? And I understand that they upset, you know, the Illini here. But sometimes, you know, again, the eyes are always, hey, what have you done for me lately? It was the last thing that our eyes have seen here. And they were spectacular against the Illini. And actually, probably it was a, it was a good matchup, you know, for the Ramblers here. And, uh, again, I think they knew that Loyola team, and they've seen them quite a bit, even though they never played them before, just being, you know, from uh, you know, the Illinois area. And Oregon State, they're not exactly sure what they're going to get. I mean, you don't, you don't have a whole bunch of tape 
to look at Oregon State here. And Oregon State is probably a sexy pick, plus seven, but I'm not sure I want to step off this Loyola Rambler bandwagon. Look, I, I get the fact that a lot of people are going to be on the Loyola bandwagon, but a lot of it's recency bias. To your point, what have you done for me lately? Oh, my God, they beat Illinois, who literally coming into this tournament was the number two uh, team in the futures market after that big, big, big 10 tournament run by the Illini. The end of the day, these two teams are really a lot closer and a lot more equal than people realize. They play the same exact style. And in a game that's only expected to be in the high 50s, low 60s, that means it's harder to get margin. If you only score 60 points in a win, it's harder to blow somebody out. Those points with the underdog become a lot more valuable. And you know, Matt, when you're talking about that too, and I understand the love affair with Loyola and Sister Jean and beating Illinois and all that, the reason that I'm surprised that this line is as high as it is, is as well as the Pac-12 conference overall has performed up to this point, I thought that they would be getting a little bit more love and respect. I thought maybe you'd see a two or three point line on this. Even three I thought might have been on the high side, but six and a half, seven, it just, it does almost seem like they're they're trying to uh, entice you into taking the points because Loyola's good, but they're not a juggernaut that usually runs everybody off the court. They had a great game against Illinois, but that was the last game. The Pac-12 has performed well throughout this entire tournament so far. Yeah, look, again, I really like uh, like the Oregon State side here. At the end of the day, part of it, too, is the fact that Oregon State started the season so poorly with some losses to some inferior teams. They were picked to finish last. They lost to Wyoming. They lost to Portland. And then people for completely forgot about them again. This is a team that won eight of nine down the stretch. It wasn't a complete fluke. They were playing their best basketball at the end of the year. They continue to play their best basketball. And like Loyola, they just, it starts on the defensive end of the court. And again, it is just so hard to get margin. Think back to those Virginia teams. Even, you know, that they're the defending champion, really, since we didn't have a tournament last year. So even look at the Virginia team that won it all. It's hard to get margin when you're scoring 60 points winning games. Those seven become more and more valuable. I'm with the Beavers. Yeah, I would typically be a contrarian, as you know, TC. Mm -hmm. I like to play that contrarian yes. role. But I'm going to pile on. I'm going to say Oregon State's a fantastic play here. Look, they've won a bunch of games in a row. They were down 16 points in the second half to UCLA, came back forced overtime, and then went on their nice run to win three more games in the Pac-12. They have blitzed Tennessee and Oklahoma State. There was nothing flukish about that. I think the eyes kind of tested because Loyola looked so dominant against Illinois. Maybe Illinois was down. But Oregon State's been equally as dominant. They guard the three-point shot very well, only allowing 30%. They're very good at the stripe, which is important in a game like this, which is going to, should be a very high, very low-scoring game. Loyola plays great defense, number one in the country when it comes to points, only yep. allowing less than 56 points. But Oregon State in a tight game at the charity stripe where they know how to win it, I think that they win this game. I don't I don't really see You talking money line hundred. there, Double B? I'm talking money line, TC. Wow. Wow. I, I think the number should be about three as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, Loyola, a seven-point choice, and that kicks it off tomorrow morning at 1140 a.m. After that, 215, Villanova, the five seed against Baylor, the top seed. Uh, Baylor, a seven-and-a-half-point choice here. Seems very strange that you see Villanova as an underdog here, Matt, in the NCAA tournament, especially getting seven-and-a-half points. Some people could view that as value, but I know a lot of people are still thinking, okay, you know, Villanova's banged up and everything. 
But bottom line is Villanova has really played well these first two rounds of the tournament, and we know Baylor can light it up here. How do you see this one? So I wanted to pick Villanova. I want to like Villanova in this spot because I love Jay Wright, and despite the fact that there's no Colin Gillespie, Villanova still has a star on this team and Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who's probably going to be playing in the NBA a year from now. So, look, there's still a lot to like. But at the end of the day, we have to remember that this is a team that without Colin Gillespie down the stretch in the Big East went one and three, including a 12-point loss to Butler, a loss at Providence, and a loss to Georgetown to get bounced out of the Big East tournament. So this is a team that did not play well without Colin Gillespie, who may have got the most favorable draw of any team in the Sweet 16, playing Winthrop and North Texas to get here. Sure, they looked good in those games, but this Baylor team, the further and further they get removed from that COVID break, which saw them struggle a bit coming out of the break, the better they look. And this was a team all year that when they had had and needed that second gear. It was available in each and every single game. I want to play Nova here, but I'm really hesitant to get in front of this Baylor team right now. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think this is a blowout. I, I, I like Villanova. I like Jay Wright. He's 13-12 and 12 in the tournament, for crying out loud. But, you know, they, they didn't look great against Winthrop. That game was tight most of the way, and they ended up pulling away at the end to win by 10, and then they beat a pretty bad North Texas team. They're a good free-throw shooting team, but Baylor's a beast. They're the number one shooting yep. from the three-point range in the country at 41.5%. They're number four in the country in points, 83.8. Uh, there's something that, that, that when they played Wisconsin, Wisconsin protects the ball. They play very methodical, and that's what Villanova's going to have to do. And yet they forced uh, uh, Wisconsin completely off their game, uh, committed 14 or 15 turnovers, and I just think Baylor's just going to run off. I think this is a 20, 25-point win for the, for the Bears. Wow. Wow. Yeah, um, I, I, I like Baylor in this game. Uh, I, I don't know if I would lay that amount of points, but I think Baylor finds a way to win the game for sure. They're just It wouldn't seem right to me if Baylor and Gonzaga somehow almost don't meet in this tournament. That was the one big game during the regular season that everybody talked about that wasn't with COVID. It seems like they're on a collision course. Baylor's the one team that a lot of people think can beat Gonzaga, so I'm not saying it's going to happen, but uh, I personally would be disappointed to see Baylor knocked out at this stage of the tournament because I want to see the best teams going. I still think Baylor is one of the best teams left in this tournament yeah, at this point. I agree with you, and I think that is going to be your final. It is going to be Baylor and Gonzaga for all the hype. You know, that we missed that game before, but you know, Baylor is really starting to crank it up uh, a bit. All right, 425. Uh, the Cinderella team, the Oral Roberts Golden Eagles, against number three Arkansas. Arkansas, a double-digit favorite here, 11 and a half. Matt, do you think the Oral Roberts magic comes to an end? The champs out of the Summit League. Well, I'm not sure that they win this game, but I actually played them to get within the number. This team has been amazing. Look, if you had to pick a player of the tournament so far, who you know, who's the most outstanding player of this tournament? I think it's Kevin O'Banner, Kevin O'Banner for Oral Roberts here who scored 58 points and grabbed 22 rebounds in two games and not against cupcakes against Ohio State and Florida. This kid has been unbelievable, and oh, by the way, he's only the second best player on this Oral Roberts team. This team has two stars in Max Chamis and Kevin O'Bonner, who are unbelievable. They've been unbelievable all year. They averaged 43 points and 13 rebounds 
combined per game, and O'Bonner has been as good as anybody in the tournament. I, I love the must bus. I love what he's doing down there with the Razorbacks and, and the way that Moody's playing. And I think at the end of the day, Arkansas is going to be able to pull this one out down the stretch. But I like Oral Roberts' chances of keeping it close in what figures to be a shootout and maybe staying within the number at the end. And Oral Roberts can shoot it. We know that. One of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. But where there is a, de a deficiency here in this matchup against Arkansas is on the boards. And that's what kind of scares me when we, when we get to this round uh, against the bigger teams. But... You know, like you said, Musselman's done a great job at Arkansas, Matt. But, you know, even by his own admission, he didn't think they would be this far along this early. This could be a really good spot for ORU in getting double digits. I agree with you. I think Arkansas could win. It would not surprise me if Oral Roberts won this game, though, outright as well, too. I think this game will be kept close. And I don't think it's going to be this helter-skelter pace as well. Uh, TC, you hit it right on the button. Uh, the Razorbacks beat the Oral Roberts earlier in the year, 87-76. You know what the rebound advantage was there? Yeah. 58-32. Yes, monstrous. 58-32. They just they just kept them off the boards. Uh, listen, Oral Roberts has been great. They shoot lights out. This should be a very up-tempo and very fun game to watch. If you're willing to lay 11 and a half, I'm not. Yeah, good luck. Uh, I, I think there's only one side to play. Especially that, with that Arkansas team because they, they, be they can be a little schizo at times. And, and remember the clutch on Oral Roberts, that kid yeah. hitting free throw after free throw after free throw. <clears throat> They're number one in the country in free throw percentage. Yeah. Number one in the country yep. at 82.2%. It should be a high-scoring affair. should be fun. Do I think they'll win? I don't know. It's been a great run for them so far, but I think it, it, I'm never going to lay the 11 and a half. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I would not bet this game no matter what the line is because Oral Roberts, as good as they are, they live and die so much by the three-point line that if they're cold from the three-point line, Arkansas could win this and maybe a blowaway. Maybe it gets out of hand and they start kind of cruising a little bit. They do have familiarity because they did play this team before. But if Oral Roberts is, is hot... We saw what they did to Ohio State. You know, they're they're not intimidated by anybody. They're going out there when they play with confidence. Their mindset, I believe, is going to be keep this game close and let's win it at the end. Let's take Arkansas out of their comfort zone. But they live and die so much by the three that those kind of teams just scare me a little bit from a betting angle because when they're hot, they can beat anybody. And if they're not hot, they can lose to anybody. Yeah. And sometimes games can get out of hand. If they had a little bit of size, they'd feel a little bit more comfortable as well, too. So we'll see what happens. 650 the last game, 7 o'clock on uh, uh, tomorrow night is Syracuse and Houston. A lot of people not really familiar with Kelvin Sampson's Houston Cougar team. They're a six-and-a-half point choice, but we're very familiar with the Orange and what Jim Beheim does, uh, especially in the postseason. Buddy Beheim, you talk about one of the best players that we've seen in the tournament. Definitely, Buddy, nothing has phased him, and he's more than just the coach's son. He's much more than just a three-point shooter. This guy is a floor leader as well, too, and uh, the Orange plus six-and-a-half Matt, they may be a live dog here. I'm one of the few people that doesn't like Syracuse here, but my, well, this is actually my favorite play of this round, under 140.5 points here. The one thing that the Houston Cougars do as well as anybody in the country is defend the three-pointer. Boy, are they athletic. Boy, do they get out and challenge shooters. And the teams that gave Houston problems this year – you think of two close wins over Memphis for Houston, the loss to Wichita State. By the way, what does Wichita State do? They score more, a higher percentage of their baskets from two-point range than anybody else in the country because they don't shoot three. Houston defends the three incredibly well. On the other side, 
It's hard to play that Syracuse zone when you never see it. Right. Nobody in the American Conference plays a 2-3 zone like Syracuse. Houston doesn't see this zone all year long. I think it's going to take them a little bit of time to get their rhythm on trying to figure out how to penetrate and counterattack on that, against that zone. And thus, I expect the scoring to be low in this game. But I'll tell you this, if you force me to pick a side in this game, if I'm playing, I'm laying with the Houston Cougars in this spot. You talk about recency bias. Everybody's suddenly down on Houston because they almost lost to Rutgers. But at the end of the day, how many times have we seen teams go on big tournament runs where they almost lose one game and then go ahead and win the next three or four in impressive fashion to cut down the net? This Kelvin Sampson team this year is really good, including a 34-point win over a team, Western Kentucky, that we saw in the NIT beat Memphis twice, who they're still alive in the NIT. Look, Kelvin Sampson has himself a squad this year, and I can tell you one thing. Buddy Beheim isn't going to be shooting 60% from three-point range <laughs> against a team that defends the three like the Houston Cougars. Yeah, I, I'd have to lean towards Houston. And be, and Matt brought up a great point. Don't just zero in on the last game. Right. Houston was not good against Rutgers. In fact, Rutgers just gave away the game. Rutgers was up nine with less than five minutes to play and really just choked the game away. So Houston might feel as though they're rejuvenated in here. Look at the whole body of work. Look at the way they play defense. They're number two in the country, allowing only 57.9 points a game. They're number one in the country against field goal percentage and number five against three-point percentage. They're an outstanding offensive rebound team offensive rebounding team they're going to attack the boards and uh you know yes the 2-3 zone but here they've had a whole week to prepare for it so i look to houston it seems to be a pretty short number to me and and again uh, uh Bayheim's kid is not going to be shooting uh, at will here because he's going to have a lot of long arms in his face yeah, I mean, I hate to sound like I'm just piggybacking on Brian and Matt here, but um, I like Houston in this game. I thought they survived their scare against the Rutgers game. I thought Rutgers played them real tight. I thought Rutgers actually had chances to win that game. They didn't get it done. Houston, what did we say in this tournament? Survive in advance. Survive in advance. They were a number two seed coming into this for a reason. Maybe a lot of people didn't know about them. And remember, too, in that Rutgers game, that was the game in the second round of the tournament where you only have one day to prepare for the next team. I have a feeling they didn't even think they were going to be playing Rutgers in that game, so maybe they didn't really get ready for them as much. Now they've had a lot more time to prepare. They know Syracuse. Like you mentioned, TC, everybody knows Syracuse and Bayheim and his program a little bit. They do defend that three-point line. I think because of the time to prepare for this one and because they survived that scare in the last one, I think Houston's going to be ready for this contest. You know, and this is one of the reasons why I've taken Syracuse in the first two rounds, especially in that second round, because when you have never seen the zone and you have very little time to prepare for it, it can be treacherous. But I can tell you guys that, and Matt hit the nail on the head, they don't, you don't see any zones whatsoever in, uh, in, in the American where Houston plays. And they could look at this for four or five days with their own guys or they can go to look at video but until you see it and see the length that Syracuse has because the way that zone you know changes and we talked about this with Curtis Terry last week it, it starts as a 3-2 then goes to a 2-3 Houston loves to play at a wreck pace and they're not going to be able to do that so that's the only reason I'm saying that I think Syracuse is a, is a live dog and Syracuse is always live against these opponents that are not used to seeing them so I'm looking forward to this game. Uh, I may even tease it up to double digits to take Syracuse here. But uh, 
You're going to tease something, huh? I'm going to tease it. That's it. That's, you, know, you know my middle name, Teaser Pleaser. Exactly. You like those teasers. And I could even still get there with victories uh, like I did against uh, Abilene Christian you know, the other night. Yes, you know. Abilene <laughs> Christian, yeah. So you sweated that one out to death. <laughs> okay, Sunday, Creighton and Gonzaga. The Blue Jays have come alive. And let's don't forget here. I know people want to advance Gonzaga immediately. I understand that. Number one team in the country. All the talent they have, they're a 13 half point favorite. And people still remember the egg that Creighton laid in the Big East Championship against Georgetown. But let's remember this, guys. Creighton, it, it, they put it on a lot of people this year. And when they're hot, they, they are a very good basketball team and they've got experience. And the Creighton team that I remember from last year and the Creighton team that we've seen, you know, basically midseason, they're back in the first two rounds of the tournament. You know, 13.5 could be a juicy number here. And I still go back to that game we watched, Matt, with BYU and Gonzaga, where BYU had them for a half. Uh, This is going to be a tough opponent, I think, for Gonzaga. Yeah, this is an interesting spot because the one thing Creighton does bring into this game is a preseason All-American in Marcus Zagorowski, who was expected to be one of the top players in the country, and he's performed like it through the first two games of this tournament. 17 points, 8 assists in the win over Cal Santa Barbara, 20 points in the win over Ohio. Zagorowski has looked like an All-American in those games. He's going to have to be an All-American here if, if Creighton's going to compete. What scares me about this game, and, and I went ahead and took the 15 points with Oklahoma and lost uh, against uh, you know, Gonzaga last game right at the very end because of, that, uh, right. because of the flagrant foul they called. But at the end of the day, Gonzaga has yet to play their game this tournament. They have played two sluggish games and still made it look easy. At some point, they're going to get hot shooting. I mean, Drew Timmy had 30 points inside last game, but the perimeter guys, Suggs and Ajayi, were all ice cold from the field. At some point, those guys are going to start hitting shots from the perimeter, and and, and Gonzaga is going to beat somebody by 35, and I'm scared <laughs> this could be the spot if Marcus Zagorowski doesn't have a big game. I think Matt thinks that they're playing Portland in, in the WCC or something. I don't know. But, no, I hear what you're saying. I'm just giving you a bad time. Double yeah. B, what, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think much of Creighton. I think yeah. they got a lucky non-call at the end of uh, Santa Barbara, which was yeah. an obvious foul that cost Santa Barbara the game. Uh, I don't think much of Creighton. Um, I, I think that uh, the Zags uh, probably got – Oklahoma probably played the best game they could possibly play and still lost by 16 points. I agree. And the Zags, they just they just can just blow teams out. They average 92.1 points a game. Uh, they shoot the ball well. They, they move the ball exceptionally well. They're number three in the country in assists even. Uh, I, I don't see this even being close. Uh, they've won, what, 20, 25 games by double digits? Yep. Just add to it, 20, 20, 25, whatever. They're going to win by whatever they win. They'll name their number here. Double B says lay it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I would let them name name their number and lay anything out there, but I do like uh, Gonzaga in this game. I mean, I think Creighton's got over some of the problems that they had going into this tournament. There was a lot of question marks, like Matt had mentioned, the game against uh, Georgetown in the Big East, but that was playing games back-to-back days and everything. They looked a little tired. They had that terrible spurt, and all of a sudden they were out of that game. They survived that game in the first round. They played decent in the second round. I just think Gonzaga's a better team here, and I thought one of the things that Matt said is really pertinent to why I like 
Gonzaga so much in this game because we haven't even seen the Zags play their best game and they're still winning by double digits and making it look easy. At some point, they just flip the switch and they have one of those runs and it's pretty much game over and lights out. All right, 2 o'clock on Sunday, Florida State, Michigan. Michigan only laying two in, the, in this contest. Florida State, you never know what you're going to get with them, but they've been on fire the first two rounds and uh, Michigan playing without livers uh, have, have survived. Matt, what do you think? You know, this is amazing to me how little the betting community thinks of the Michigan Wolverines, of Jawan Howard, about the amazing assistant coaches that they've brought in and the job they've done. Yeah, you know, Phil you Martelli. think of the LSU yeah. game. Yeah, Phil Martelli's been amazing. Yep. You know, and you know, the LSU game, that line opened six. It closed four, even three and a half some places. All people did was bet LSU. And, all Michigan, and LSU played a great game, by the way. And they were getting up and down and making baskets. But this team is so well coached. And put me on the bandwagon who bet LSU early uh, and, and failed to win in that game. But I'm tired of getting in front of this Jawan Howard and uh, coach team and saying, well, they're not going to win anymore. They don't have enough depth. They don't have enough elite talent. All they do is win. All they do is play the best basketball they can play every night. And this game is almost a pick em now. Open three and a half, down to two, probably headed to one and a half by game time. It's similar to the last game. Every single uh, bet that's important here seems to be coming in against the Wolverines. I'm not jumping in front of that train anymore. Anybody that watched the Florida State-Georgia Tech game, how can you bet this team? And if you look at what Florida State, some bad losses during the course of the year, I know that they've, they've played well the last two games, but I'm not backing this team. You know yeah. that, Double V. Yeah, Florida State played great defense. They, they, they caused a, a ridiculous amount of turnovers. But I don't think they're going to pressure the ball here. Uh, Michigan is quite good at, at protecting the ball. I think they only uh, get, turn the ball over 10 times a game. And, uh, you know, they played pretty well without uh, livers. Uh, that LSU-Michigan game uh, was, was a dogfight. And uh, Michigan came out on top. And, uh, you know, Michigan is, is quite good on defense as well. They're in the top 20 in defensive field goal percentage, assist, and rebounding. So uh, I believe that they're a pretty balanced team. I'm not in love with the game because Florida State sure has surprised us, and we know they're very talented, yep. and they step up very good on defense. But if you made me pick this side, I don't see how you couldn't go with Big Blue, go with Michigan. I, I couldn't bet Florida State because of what you mentioned before, TC, with some of the games that they had where they haven't looked very good, but they've also had some games where they have looked very good. And Michigan, they've made adjustments, and they've played well enough to advance to this round here without livers. But I still think that at some point that injury is going to catch up with that team and their depth and everything else out there. I don't know if this will be the game or not, but this is a game I'm going to sit back and just kind of watch and hope that we have a good basketball game. The line tells us we probably will, but because of Florida State's inconsistency, I wouldn't lay money on it either side. I think there's better options on the board. All right, 4:15 on Sunday, UCLA and Alabama. We've seen what the Bruins have done thus far, probably against lesser competition. Here comes that hot shooting Alabama team. They're laying six and a half here, Matt. Uh, do we believe in the tide out of the SEC? You know, the one thing that we've known through the history of this tournament is that it's really hard to win six straight games when you're as dependent on the three-pointer as Alabama is. And boy, do they depend on that three. So, yes, they have the ability here to win this game by 15 or 20 points, but all it takes for a team like Alabama is a cold shooting game. Go back to their first game of the tournament where they had a cold shooting half, and you were thinking, boy, 
this is an Alabama team that could be an uh, up right for an upset in, in round one, and they were able to survive, get it going in the second half and pull away. But now I wonder if they could do it again. And, and I feel like UCLA gets a little bit underappreciated because they had that four-game losing streak at the end of the season. And I feel like if there was anybody who needed a week off at the end of the season, it was the Bruins. They looked exhausted at the end of the season. Down the stretch, they had very little left in the tank. And if not for a missed free throw, it, you know, with three seconds to go, they would have beat Oregon State. Oregon State wouldn't even be in this tournament. And I think UCLA wouldn't be as underappreciated as they are. But I think the time off has actually helped the Bruins. This is a team that spent a good chunk of the year in first place in the Pac-12 for a reason. They're well-coached. Mitch Cronin preaches defense. And I think that for a while, because we're not used to seeing UCLA play such good defense under past coaches, especially Steve Alford, that we don't think of UCLA as a good defensive team. But we know Mitch Cronin from his Cincinnati days preaches defense and defensive responsibility. And this Bruins team plays hard. And unlike a lot of teams who had to win two games to get here, UCLA's already won three straight games en route to getting here. Don't count the Bruins out. Hey, I'm, I'm all for UCLA in this game. Mm-hmm. I think they win the game. I think Alabama played a very middling Pac-12 team middle of the season in Stanford. They got whooped. I think the Pac-12 has been vastly underappreciated and undervalued, and they're undervalued again here. Uh, the Pac-12 sends UCLA to the Elite Eight as they take on Alabama. Might be a struggle because Alabama will get hot. There might be games of, uh, of streaks in this game. But, uh, you know, UCLA, they shoot the ball pretty well from three-point as well. 37.4%. Bruins move on. Uh, I think UCLA has a shot to win this game straight up. They're certainly playing well. Uh, we talked about it before the tournament started. I thought the winner of that game with them in Michigan State, that, then that play-in game had a chance to maybe roll that into and have a decent tournament and make a little bit of a stretch. But I still think Alabama finds a way to pull this game out That because they have been there. Uh, they're a pretty talented team. Uh, I don't know that they're going to get um, cold enough from the three-point line, but I do think UCLA probably comes within this number. So if I was going to bet it, I would probably take the Bruins. I think it's going to come right down to the end of the game. It's going to be a close game here. I think the number might be a little bit high, but I think Alabama finds a way to get by it. But again, if the Bruins won, it would not shock me. All right, final game of the Sweet 16 weekend, 645, Oregon and SC. This is the Pac-12 rematch here, and we saw that USC really destroyed Oregon earlier on. But what we we saw Oregon do to Iowa, wow. And again, this this Oregon team really wasn't getting a whole bunch of love. I I scoff at them being a number seven seed, a, a team that, you know, had some injuries, some COVID issues earlier on. But when they're healthy, they're phenomenal. I thought, you know, I thought they would would roll through the the Pac-12 tournament. That wasn't the case. But man, they rolled through Iowa, and this is a revenge game. I mean, USC beat them pretty bad. I like the Ducks in this one. What about you, Matt? I am all over USC here. Yeah. And you know me. Every year, I at least have one team that has a big long shot odds, 100, 150 to one. A couple of years ago, it was Florida State at 150 to one. Well, this year at 150 to one for me in my pocket is a ticket on the USC Trojans. Why? Because they're the tallest team in the country. Why? Because they're the longest team in the country. Why? Because the Mobley brothers are a matchup nightmare for everybody and anybody on every single given night and we have seen that time and time again and we can talk about the ducks wanting revenge it was 43 to 22 at half 
the last time these teams played. USC had to call off the dogs because they were beating them so bad. It was Dana Altman empathy night, and we called off the dogs and only beat them by 14. But at the end of the day, the Trojans, the Trojans are a nightmare matchup for everybody, and we saw it with the younger Mobley brother, the less heralded Mobley yeah. brother last game showing that he could step out and hit threes. It is so hard to defend them, and how do you score in the paint against them? Look, Figueroa, Duarte, and company, they better hit a ton of threes if Oregon's going to get it done. Because if Oregon doesn't shoot 50% plus from three-point range, Trojans run away with this one. Like they did against Kansas, beating them by, what, 34? Unbelievable. They did. They, they absolutely trounced Kansas in that game. But I kind of like Oregon. I kind of like Oregon here. I can't ignore what they did to a pretty good defensive-minded team in, in, in Iowa. They just ran away from them. Yeah. I mean, they had over 50 points at halftime, TC. Yeah. Now, this is a revenge game. They only got to play the one game at SC. They never got to play the game up at Oregon. And let's say SC, you know, they're, not, they're known for being a football team. Right. This is their first time to the Sweet 16, I want to say, in 13, 14 years. They haven't been there, I think, since 2007. The one thing SC does well is rebound. They, they, they're, they're a plus seven rebounding advantage. And so Oregon's going to have to make their shots and then get back on defense. The thing that's going to come down to me is I think it's going to be a close game. And in a close game, you better be able to shoot free throws. I know where you're going with this one. And <laughs> SC does not shoot free throws. They are absolutely horrible at shooting free throws how bad tc 64.3 percent 327th in the country it's going to cost them here oregon wins a close one it does definitely scare me with the way usc shoots free throws if it is a close game there it seems right now the right now the ducks are the sexy pick to a lot of people because of the way they have been playing and you know they have the pedigree a little bit there but I'm actually surprised that the line is this low. Because if it is this low, then I think Oregon maybe does find a way to win this game in crunch time. I'm, I, I think USC finds a way to win. They won that first game. They got the confidence against this team. That I don't know that they get out to a start like they did in the first one, like Matt mentioned. But um, I think they believe that they can beat this team here. If it gets close, I think then maybe uh, the Ducks can find a way to pull the upset outright. But I think uh, USC covers. And uh, if they win this game, I believe they're definitely going to win it by more than two. All right. Matt, great stuff. Matthew Holt, U.S. Integrity is a great follow on Twitter as well, too. Uh, Matt, hopefully you can find some time, and we'd love to have you down here for the games uh, uh, for at least a segment or so on Monday or Tuesday. Look forward to it, guys. Enjoy the weekend. Hopefully I'll get to see you guys down there Monday or Tuesday. You got Best it, brother. Good luck. Take care. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it, Matthew Holt. Uh, again, uh, the guy who was on the other side as the VP of, uh, of Sportsbook Operations uh, here for uh, CG Technology. Now he started his own company, U.S. Integrity, uh, doing a fantastic job, and a guy who has all of these contracts and these conversations with all of these conferences. So uh, he's dialed in, and it's always been great to, to have Matt on with us. Yeah, a no better handicap. That you'll find, and, uh, and I'm sure he could have come up with an argument for why Oregon was going to cover. Too. I knew you were going to say that. But he's he's really a, a fascinating guy, and, and really does his homework. And, and, and it cringes when I'm against him in certain games, but I'll, I'll have to go against him with Oregon. All right, all right. We'll come back, uh, give you some more thoughts, and we'll give you our best bet of the Sweet 16 when we come back. T.C. Barton, Brian Benowitz, Ballpark Frank, join us. Oh yes, it is a. Sweet 16 weekend. We're getting fired up, revved up, ready to go here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. The Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas is a unique luxury resort, hotel, and casino in the heart of the Las Vegas Strip. Be part of the action in the 24-hour bar, table games, and walls of the HD LED TVs in the 
Cosmopolitan Sports Club. The Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas is the place to dine out and have fun. Check out restaurants and bars like Blue Ribbon Las Vegas, Egg Slut, and Quick Bar and Lounge. And the best entertainment headliners at the Chelsea. Learn more about the dynamic resort and casino at CosmopolitanLasVegas.com. Hi, this is Lonnie Jordan from the band War, and you are listening to the T.C. Martin Show. That's the beat. Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Yes, we are. The Sportsbook powered by William Hill. No better time to get the mobile app. If you don't have the mobile app yet, you've got to get it. And now is the best time. Why? You get a chance to get free money in your account. Real simple. You download the app on your phone. You don't have to fight the long lines. You download on the app. Go deposit money. If you deposit at least $50 into your account, they will match it with an additional $50. Boom! Free $50. You just got to use the promo code TC50. All right. What's that promo code, Double B? That's TC50. That's right. TC50 is the promo code for you to get free money in your account. doesn't matter if you're a weekend warrior staying here at the Cosmopolitan. You're a local here in town. Open the account with the William Hill Sportsbook. Download it on the phone. Deposit at least $50 here at the Cosmopolitan or any of the William Hill Sportsbooks. Use that promo code. What's that promo code, Ballpark? TC50. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> William Hill Sportsbook. Free money. You got to love it. Uh, how about our guys here, uh, our Bruin fans here, eating the Hattie's, Hattie B's chicken? They're making all kinds of noise. We've got some duck fans here in the house. That's it. You know, shout it out. It's sweet 16 time. All right, guys, we just broke down all those games. You got a favorite or two that you like? Double B? Yeah, I, there, there's two games that stand out to me. First of all, I really like Oregon State. I love the way they've played basketball down the stretch. This team has gotten better as the year has gone on. Great coaching, and they've learned how to win. They've learned how to win in close games, and now they've blown out a couple of teams. This game will be very low scoring, and I think Oregon State could definitely stay within the seven points on Loyola. However, my top play, I think, is just blowout central. I don't think Villanova can overcome the loss of Colin Gillespie, uh, who tore his MCL way back when. They have not played well. They've had an easy route. They struggled against Winthrop. They beat a a really bad North Texas team. Uh, Baylor looked so good against a... Wisconsin team that tried to slow it down who just took on NC State. To me, I'm laying the seven. I think they win by 20. I think that, that, that Baylor really has a showcase game here. So early on, I think it's the uh, 215 game on Saturday and the 1140 game on Saturday. Hey, you're done early. There it First is. two games. Those are the ones I like. Then you can go play some pickleball. That's right. <laughs> um, it's been windy here for pickleball. Yeah. So I, I haven't been able to play, but our friend Todd and Trevor, they found an indoor court somewhere in Henderson and so they're still coming after us but uh, you know uh, Trevor and Todd you got to you got to watch them as a team because they you know they're finding ways to play even in the wind here wow see like I said you have to find that uh, that home court advantage indoors you need indoors for pickleball indoors indoors during the thing you know he told you he's gunning for me they're, yeah. they're gunning for me yeah. they haven't got me yet good they're gunning for me we'll yeah. see yeah, come on <laughs> I mean you're, you're you're a minus 250 favorite against anybody oh yeah no that's not true <laughs> yeah, but TNT hasn't got me yet but they're close they're, they're closing in I know how about the women's over 70 division can you, can you take on all comers there? listen these women can play they are very good this is not a game of power this is a game of uh, you know finesse, finesse right yeah. and it's about getting the net and making the right spot and waiting the other person out mm-hmm. so, uh, uh, so these ladies are quite good because, you know, they're, they're, they're right at every bit as good as the guys out there. All right. 
Frank, back to back to Sweet 16. <laughs> okay, well, before we get back to that, it should be a good weekend for Brian because the winds are supposed to be down for the weekend for a change. So it, it looks like Frank, pickleball the meteorologist could said be an option. Yes, yeah, yeah. so they said that finally a weekend with no wind, but then Mondays the winds will pick up again. That's right, a little, but, um, little bike ride in this week. But, yeah, I mean, my heart is with Loyola Chicago. I really hope they win that game, but I don't understand why the number is quite that high. I think it's because people remember what they did to Illinois. But that's the game that I'm most interested in just because I, I appreciate the program. And, I mean, Sister Jean is captivated the whole country once again but for a betting aspect I still don't understand why USC is only a two-point favorite they handled uh, they handled the Ducks earlier this year I think they win this game again if it is close I think what Brian has was talking about uh, their free throw shooting could be the thing that knocks them out of the tournament but I don't expect it to be that close so I don't think it's gonna be a two-point game so of the the bets on the board if I was gonna go up to the window and put my money on one it would be the Trojans all right I really can make this case for, for Syracuse again, guys. And you, you give me a team that comes out of the ACC, and, uh, you know, Syracuse is still built like a Big East team. I mean, they, they've got good size, and uh, they've got shooters. And, again, that 2-3 zone, it is treacherous to play against, especially for a team that's never seen it before. Kelvin Sampson has a very good team here with Houston, but again, it is the American. When is the last time we've seen a team out of the American that uh, has gone very, very deep in the tournament? You just don't see it. And against a battle-tested team like Syracuse, Syracuse has been playing for their lives to get in the NCAA tournament basically for about the last six weeks. So I know they've got some, some bad losses, but then again, it's in the ACC. They are battle-tested night in and night out. I watched Houston quite a bit this year, and, and the American is, has really been down. I mean, Wichita State really was not that good of a ball club. And and we saw that in the, the, the very first game of this uh, NCAA tournament where they had to play you know, one of the first four games, right? Lost to the Drake. Yeah, lo- exactly. <laughs> lost to the Drake. I hate the Drake. <laughs> you know? But, uh, you know, Houston's six and a half here. No, it just I, I, I'm, I'm going to take Syracuse uh, in this situation. I think the Syracuse can win this game as the 11 seed, and they can definitely cover. And how many times have we seen a team come out of the Sweet 16 to get to the Elite Eight or maybe even to the Final Four as a double-digit seed? At least get to the Elite Eight. We see it just about every year. At least we have in the last five or six years. We see that. So I will take a, a, a shot with the Orange. I like the Ducks. I do like the Ducks. Again, it, I'm with you, Brian. I just I can't jump on this USC team because every time they, they get in the bonus, I kind of get excited if I'm go, if I'm on the other side because yeah, go ahead, go to the line. You know, shooting your what 63 percent. You know, teams are not, don't go deep into the tournament. You know, shooting you know the 327th ranked free throw shooting team, and they're not that great of a three point shooting team as well too. Uh, the, the Ducks are on fire. The Ducks have clearly been the best team in the Pac-12 the, the, the entire time, except for when they got bogged down with some injuries. They've got a chip on their shoulder. And what they did to Iowa, I cannot get that out of my brain. But, Brian, we've seen them do this against you know quality teams throughout the course of the year as well, too. So, uh, again, I think the wrong team is favored in this one. I think Oregon is severely you know, underseeded here. And I understand why people like USC. I get it. But, uh, you know, USC is one of those helter-skelter teams, and there's a reason why Andy Infield's teams have, since he's got this job at USC, have not gone very deep into the tournament. I mean, they've got Austin early on, uh, usually. And Mobley's great, but uh, outside of that, no thanks. I'll, I'll take the Ducks. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Uh, uh, USC, I think they might just be happy to be there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's their first time in the Sweet 16 since 2007. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, again, as the coach pointed out, how are these kids going to react? It's been a very difficult all week long yeah. 
in their hotel rooms, really not socializing, going to practice hotel rooms. Uh, maybe there's a tutor. I don't know what it is. And now get out to play. Uh, I think your Oregon athletes are going to explode here. I like Michigan, too, as well, too. I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to get off Michigan just because Livers is out. And, again, that Florida State team, some really bad losses. They are very inconsistent. Don't always play with a lot of energy. Uh, I'm going to take Michigan back to the battle-tested thing. I think Michigan is the better team. What do you think, Frank? Well, I know a lot of people are saying that. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they were one of the classes of the Big Ten, certainly. The liver's injury, I think that's why a lot yeah. of people uh, put him down. A lot of people thought they were going to be in a number one seed not uh, too long ago. So they have had a very good season here. I, I just don't know. I haven't seen enough from the whole Big Ten. What I've seen so far in this tournament, I have to take them as a group, mm-hmm. and I have to think that they are susceptible to losing. But they have played good so far. Jawan Howard has done an amazing uh, job as the head coach there. Uh, it certainly would not be surprise me if they win this game whatsoever and I know that right now a lot of people have said that even Ohio State fans are rooting for Michigan because the Big Ten you know they want the Big Ten team to go as far as possible that's not necessarily true that but there's the value State here I mean this, like Matt said this line's dropping it, oh know, yeah, it, and it looks lot, like it's going to continue. Value. Yeah, number, I, number one seed, less than a bucket, Brian. Are you kidding me? Yeah, in, not, in the Sweet 16, it's hard to ignore <laughs> that nine Big Ten teams, nine of them, nine times, yeah. nine of them made it, and there's only one left standing. Yeah. That's hard to ignore yeah. as a gambler to say, "Wow, this conference who everybody thought was going to just roll into the Sweet but, 16." But you can make the case. Not done it. Maryland and Wisconsin and Rutgers. We knew they weren't going to hang around very long. You know, we knew we knew half of these. Were we're not but you hang Rutgers was you a, picked Iowa to win the whole dance. I, I did. Iowa, well, Ohio State, I, I thought they, Illinois. I, I those thought are some exceptional ball yeah. clubs. They Illinois, just fell Iowa, flat. Yeah. So, Rutgers was the other one that was almost here. They almost beat Houston. They had that yeah. game the whole it, my, way. They blew it at the end. I know. But I, I think it comes out every year where you have to eventually drop your conferences because there are elite teams in every conference. Uh, Baylor looks to be the, the standout that was in the Big 12. Michigan now looks like the standout there. Um, out of the SEC, I'm not sure who's who's going to do it. Does Arkansas roll through? Does Alabama roll yeah. through? But uh, right now, you know, point blank, this is absolutely Gonzaga's tournament to lose. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. They could be the first undefeated team in 45 years or so. And, uh, you know, that's that to me is the storyline right now. All right. Great stuff. We'll look forward to all of these games kicking off tomorrow. At uh, 11.40, first game, Saturday and Sunday, the Sweet 16. And we will be back here at the Cosmopolitan on Monday, Elite 8 action. How crazy does that sound? On a Monday and a Tuesday, we've got Elite 8 action. I'm loving this. It's going to lead right into it, right? Because aren't those games at like 4 and 6? Exactly. Like I said, it'll be just like, uh, you know, kind of normal during basketball yeah, season. Yeah, I mean, and now i got to focus on basketball, college basketball, since the Frozen Four is over for me. There you go. That's okay, my man. Yeah. You, you love the hoops. I, I, t- I do love college And you still basketball. got your VGK and the Jets. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you're right. i got a lot to watch. VGK All right, guys. Jets. Jets are on tonight, so go Jets go. All right. And the Golden Knights tomorrow against the Avs. Watch that game, too, at 12 noon. All right. Appreciate everyone here, the great staff here at the Cosmopolitan. Double B, thank you very much. Ballpark Frank. Spencer the Wiz back in the studio. Thank you, my man. Greatly appreciate it. And, of course, Numchuck here doing a fantastic job like he always does as well, too. You miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Go hear our interview with Lon Kruger yesterday. Fantastic stuff as he announces retirement in his first post-retirement interview. Great stuff. And we'll be back at the Cosmopolitan on Monday at 2. Perfect. Look forward to it.